Um, I am excited this morning if, uh, if it's your first time um, in a long time or if you're a, a visitor with us this morning. We've been in a series called Not the Same. And uh, the, the idea behind the series is we've been walking through stories in the Gospels, encounters that Jesus had with people, and then we've been kind of investigating how when they left their encounter with Jesus, they left there not the same. As a matter of fact, we could probably have all sorts of stories from people who are just in this room who could also do the same thing, who could say, hey, here's what my life was like, and then uh, I met Jesus, and since then, I have been not the same. And so, of course, you know, we, we started that a few weeks ago. Um, even, even Brother Evan shared uh, the week before, and, and he shared on that. And then uh, this morning, uh, I'm, I'm even more excited because we get one of our very own uh, to also be able to share in this series. And so I've asked one of our uh, faithful Sunday school teachers, uh, Mr. Ron McCulley, uh, I've asked him if he would share with us this morning, and so of course we're extremely excited about that. Um, I will say he looks a whole lot better uh, than I normally do, and so I apologize um, for that. But uh, anyway, I'm going to get out of the way. Uh, Ron, share with us this morning. We're extremely excited. You know, it was, um, if, if the preacher ever grabs you as you're going out to the church and says, uh, I'm going to talk to you while we're walking to the truck, look out. He got something up his sleeve. But this is an honor and a privilege, uh, but it's also humbling to be able to stand and, and, and talk about God's Word and, and what He's taught us through it. So, uh, many of you traveled around, you know, and just on the highways. And I'd like for you to look. We're going we're gonna to look at something. The, uh, you ever seen these on the side of the road? Um, they were everywhere. Sea Rock City. There's another one there, Evan. There's another one. I mean, they were in barns everywhere. You ever wondered how they got these people to put it on the top of their barns? But they were everywhere. Well, don't see them as much now as you used to. But Rock City's beautiful, and it's, it's a very nice place. But there's another place on Lookout Mountain. And apparently they had some of these too. See, it says, see Ruby Falls. And I don't remember seeing as many of these, but they were out there. So here we go. But I'd like for us to do today is to make a trip to Ruby Falls. And we're going to talk about how, you know, the tour of Ruby Falls. So as we get started, we drive up and here's the sign and the welcome to Ruby Falls. And um, just as you go in. Uh, the, the building I remember was this old stone building, and that's, that's the only one I remember. Now, they have since added some more building there, which is the next slide. There we go. So it's uh, new and, and just different. And then once you go in, you pay your money, you go to this elevator. Now, a little different about this elevator. Usually, you go to the elevator, you expect to go where? Up. Well, on this elevator, you get a sudden sinking feeling because you go down 260 feet in 30 seconds. So down you go into the middle of the mountain. So if you come out, once you come out of the elevator, then there is the, these paths that, that the guide takes you down. Some of the most beautiful formations you have ever seen. 
you go by different ones. Uh, here's one here, and they're lit. They're, they're, they're just gorgeous. Here's another one that I thought was appropriate, uh, angel wings. So you move on along and go through the tour, and, of course, they're talking about it. Then they take you into this big, huge room, and it's, it's inside the mountain, and you can hear water running. Now, you don't see what we're seeing here because you don't see the water. You just hear it. And then after everybody gets in, they turn the lights on, and wow, it is so beautiful. It's just a gorgeous sight. And to think that you're down inside the mountain, and there's a waterfall. You ever wondered how they found it? But anyway, then he'll take you away, and, and they get to a spot, and he says, now, you get comfortable, find you a place you can stand. You're not going to want to move, so just find a place to stand and, and be there. And he reaches over and turns all the lights off. Now, can you imagine the darkness? It's just oppressive. You can't see your hand. You can't nothing. And they, they'll tell you this is as close to absolute darkness as we can get in, in this world. That's it. So, wonder if maybe that might be what it would be like to be born blind. You couldn't see anything. You had no, no light, no nothing. Don't know. I've never been there. None of us have. So we wouldn't know how to describe it. But in my mind, this is kind of what I think it might be like. Now, in John chapter 9, Jesus had an encounter with a man born blind. Perhaps that's what he saw. Blackness. Nothing else. Now, as we begin this man's encounter with Jesus, we find that Jesus had just been in the temple trying to reason with the Pharisees. They got so mad, they were about to stone him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, was Jesus a coward? No. And I don't see him getting behind something and hiding. I think he probably just kind of blended back into the crowd because it wasn't time. It wasn't time for that, con that confrontation yet. So as we, he was leaving the temple, we pick up in chapter 9. Now, notice that this near-death encounter, I mean, they were fixing to start throwing rocks at him. Didn't really bother him. You know, he wasn't all frustrated and, and nervous. He said he went about his way doing what he was supposed to do. And so we pick up now. Chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a, blind, a man blind from birth. Now, this blind man is not named. We don't know who he is for sure. Church tradition says his name was Celadonius. But is it important who it was? as far as a name, and it's not, is it? The point is, what's going to happen to this man as he meets Jesus? Now, and the disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sent this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, that sounds like a funny question the disciples ask. Who sinned? But, you know, we see in the Bible that it talks about people's sin being passed down. 
But most of the time what that's talking about is actually through generations, not to an individual, but through the generations. And we see that the children of Israel, as they were wandering in the wilderness, their sin was passed down, wasn't it, to the following generations. And it's, it's not just one person, but people as a whole. Now, interestingly enough, some of the Jews also believe that the soul existed before conception. Okay? And it could actually commit a sin before the child was born. How can you commit a sin when you hadn't been born yet? But that was some of their ideas that, that they came up with. They thought, okay, uh, we, we think that you know, he could have done that. Maybe he even had a pre-life. Maybe he was somebody else, you know, and reincarnated. But now, interesting, you just think about this. The blind man couldn't see what was going on around him. He couldn't see. And there's no indication that he said anything. He's just there and probably begging, okay? Can you imagine in the crowd with all the voices and the noise and all that was going on, what might have been going through his mind? Did, did he hear what the disciples asked and wonder, what are they talking about? Why would they say something like that about me? You know, I... I don't know. We don't know what it was. They didn't, they didn't tell us that. But point is, again, he's there and he's waiting. All right. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. I can just hear the disciples now. Ooh, look. He spit and made mud and he's smeared it on that guy's eyes. Wow. Now, we would think that's horrible, wouldn't we? Now, interestingly enough, according to William Barclay, they even may have believed back then that the spittle of some distinguished persons was believed to possess some curative qualities. Never heard that one before either. But, hey, first of all, was it necessary that Jesus knew the mud and the spit? We're going to see. no, it really wasn't, was it? Because too many other times he just spoke and things happened. Or he just touched people and that happened. But we're going to see. Now, Jesus didn't say he would be healed. Nowhere he said, okay, you go do this and then be healed. And we're going to talk about what he did. But it's implied. And Jesus is fulfilling again the prophecy of Isaiah 35, 5, and 6. Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall be free. So he's fulfilling that prophecy as part of the fulfillment of this prophecy. Verse 7. And he said to them, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, wasn't just as easiest thing in the world for this blind man to go somewhere and do something, was it? I mean, Ron, if I ask you to close your eyes and come straight to me, could you do it without having to feel or, or hold to something? No, of course not. So think about him, and I saw, I saw a video that I thought was really neat, and he's feeling his way around. Of course, we don't know. Somebody may have helped him, okay? There might have been somebody close by that heard, and they, they helped him, but he's got to find his way to this pool. So he gets to the pool, finally, 
And then he's got to maneuver down some steps to the pool, according to what we know about the pool of Siloam. So he gets down and he gets in the water. And he puts this water up on his eyes and opens his eyes and everything just comes into focus. Man had never seen anything. He had never seen the temples. He'd never seen people. He had never seen anything, never seen light. And all of a sudden, his eyes were open. Can you imagine what that might have been like? Wow. So he came back here seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this that, not that man who used to sit and beg? Some said, yeah, it's him. Others said, no, but it's kind of like him. He kept saying, I am the man. It's me, folks. It's me. And so they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus, made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go wash to Siloam. Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. I don't know. Did he even know for sure who Jesus was? You know, we don't know. There's no indication that he did because had he known and he was hearing all this and knew it was Jesus, would he not have been asking to be healed? There's no indication that he did. He was, it's like he was just sitting there and Jesus saw him. Jesus sought him out, and I think that's very, very important. What if the blind man did not listen to the voice of a man he couldn't see and really didn't know? It appears he hadn't heard of Jesus or his reputation, or perhaps he would have been asking to be healed. However, he did listen, and he did what he's told. And he came back from the pool with his sight. Wow. Apparently, he may have even looked differently. Now, did he have eyes? I mean, did his eyes look right before? Were they fogged over? Was whatever? We don't know. But they kept arguing about, was this really the man? Maybe he realized, looked in the mirror somewhere and realized how maybe scrawly looked or whatever. Maybe he cleaned up a little. We don't know what. But they had seen him so often. But maybe they were so astounded that they just couldn't accept it was the same person. Can you imagine this man that you knew had been begging and you knew he was blind because he, and he couldn't see? All of a sudden, he's walking up and talking to you and saying, Wow, you look like, and I can see. What would you have thought? Now, they did the most logical thing that they would have done during that time. They decided to take him to the temple to the Pharisees, okay? So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Now, of course, the Jews, they're still mad at Jesus. They're, they're looking for something to trap him, okay? And they even brought up the Sabbath, which was not mentioned before. Jewish laws prohibited kneading bread on the Sabbath, so also kneading clay. At this point, they're literally putting a blind man on trial for being healed. Isn't that amazing? I mean, but is that any different than sometimes we today experience? We get put on trial for things that were good. Okay? He told them what happened, but they didn't believe him. Let's look on further. He said, now, 
<clears throat> so the Pharisees again ask him how he'd received his sight. This is, this is the second, you know, the second time he's been asked. The, the crowd asked him, now the Pharisees ask him. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, well, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Wow. So they ask again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he, is, he opened your eyes? He said he is a prophet. Now, was it possible that this man's eyes were beginning to open in another way? They didn't believe him. But, you know, interestingly enough, had they accepted that he was a prophet, he would have been of immune from many of the strict and sometimes ridiculous rules that the Pharisees had added to God's rules for the Sabbath. John MacArthur says it's amazing that the Jews would ask their, the opinion of a poor beggar. Think about that. Perhaps it reflected their scorn and mockery of the man or perhaps their division and confusion. They were confused. I mean, they didn't even agree among themselves, did they? D.A. Carson writes, the man's eyes are opening wider. He's beginning to see more clearly why the eyes of his judges, while the eyes of his judges are becoming clouded over with blinding theological mist. Think about that. They really can't see, but he can, and he's beginning to see more. All right, well, they didn't believe him, so they called his parents. So they didn't believe he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Well, his parents answered, we know this is our son and that he, we know that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. Wow. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to put, be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. Wow. What do you think? Probably this trial, most commentators think, was not on the Sabbath itself. The man had gone home and told his parents what had happened to him. They, they probably knew what had happened because he had told them. But they were so afraid of being ostracized from the temple and all of Jewish society that they, were, they just threw him under the bus. Said, we don't know. But, you know, you think about it, what would it be like to be totally ostracized from everything? You couldn't be a part of anything. You're just, you're thrown out. So they feared man more than God. So then they bring the man back in and they question him again. So let's look at that. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, one of the famous scriptures in the Bible. Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. Wow. How could you sit and deny that? This man couldn't see, never could see. And suddenly now he had his vision. 
Wow. Now, it's interesting as we go on, he may not have understood it, everything that was going on, but he had courage. And that helped him to stand in the court of the Jews and not waver under their constant questions and unbelief. So let's go on. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I love this. He said, I have told you already that you and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I mean, think, is that it? wow. I mean, he's standing up to the highest court in the Jewish nation and saying, I already told you. You want to hear it again? And they revile him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. Well, what about that? We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where this man comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. I was blind, folks. He opened my eyes, and you don't know anything about him or where he came from? said we know that God does not listen to sinners but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will God listens to him so God's he, he is basically giving a testimony right here to these folks and he's preaching a sermon doesn't realize what he's doing necessarily but he is and said if this man were not from God he could do nothing Oh, and ever since the world began has it been heard that a man opened the eyes of a man born blind. Wow. He knew that in all of history this has never been done before. We see blind people being healed. People get their sight restored, but never one that never had sight. If he weren't from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Wow. They couldn't break him. They couldn't question his story. So they cast him out. Well, Jesus heard about it. And it says Jesus sought him out. For the second time, Jesus sought out this man. Okay? He had, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Wow. What do you think his reaction might have been when he first heard Jesus' voice? You know, he had heard this voice when he was blind. With somebody smearing mud on his eyes. What do you think he thought now? Oh, it's him. It's him, the guy that healed me. And apparently some, this is one of the few times that Jesus actually totally revealed his identity to someone he performed a miracle for. I mean, many, many times he didn't do that. But this time he said, I'm he. It's me. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. 
Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Wow. Was he speaking of physical blindness? No. What was it? Spiritual blindness. So what does this say to us? We may be looking for something in our lives. We may not even know what. Jesus seeks us out. He's calling us to him. Maybe today you're spiritually blind. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Do you hear his voice calling you today through the Holy Spirit? Wouldn't you like to see? Maybe you decide today, well, I'm not blind. I can see. I've accepted Christ as my Savior. But there are other types of blindness. Have you ever been in an airplane and flown through the clouds? It's, you look out and all you can see is cloud. You may not even hardly see the tip of the wing out there if you're there close enough. And it's, the nearest thing, if you've never flown, might be, okay, one of these Mississippi downpours. When you get there and you can see the hood of the end of the hood of your car and, and maybe a little bit in front, but not much more. That's, you're still blind, aren't you? Now, most big planes can literally land themselves in a situation like this. But what about the smaller planes? I talked with a couple of pilots, and one was a former military pilot. He said, in those instances, before all the computers and fancy instruments, the air traffic controller would literally talk them down. He would tell them how to turn, where they were on their glide path, and more. He also said that if you try to depend on your own senses to make sure you were flying straight, he's seen guys end up upside down or worse. Because there's nothing, you know, you, you listen to what your head's saying, but there's nothing to orient you. And he said they did this sometimes even in practice to practice when they had a cloudy day. They would do this in practice so that they would listen to this voice. The other pilot related some instances of the flight controller actually taking an untrained person, talking an untrained person down to land a small plane. In fact, when the plane recently threatened to fly into Walmart, the controller had talked the pilot within a, with only a few hours of training down to 100 feet of the runway. But he panicked when he saw the police, and we know the other part of that story. Now, both of these instances, the person flying the plane had to pay attention and listen to the voice telling them what to do and ignore what might be going on in their head. If they didn't view, do that, then the results would not be good. There's a story on Facebook that I've, I've heard, and some of you probably have heard, and it's a preacher related it. And there was a couple of lawyers that were, got talked into flying back from a, uh, a trial with a, a pastor in a small plane. Well, he passed out. And here they are. It's cloudy. They can't see. They don't know anything about flying a plane. They don't even know how to use a radio. And they start calling. And the first answer they get is this big 747, like a FedEx or something, flying. And he said, you don't know how to use radio? We don't know anything. And so he said, hang on. I'm going to start circling so I don't lose you. So he does, and he starts talking to them. And he said, okay, I'm going to get Anchorage control. And they will help you, okay? He said, but whatever you do, remember, listen to the voice. I said, wow, okay. So in a bit, this guy comes on the radio and he says, 
hey, this is Anchorage Control. Let me find you. And just in a minute, he comes back. He says, okay, I found you. In four minutes, you're going to hit a mountain, and you're going to die unless you listen to the voice. And he talked them around that mountain and got them away from that, and they, they came through. And all through this, he said they had about two-hour flight left. All through this, they would occasionally get a call from one of these big 747s as they were carrying freight and saying, hey, we're praying for you, man. But whatever, listen to the voice. And, and the voice had already told them, listen, I'm here to get you home safely. But if you don't listen, you've got to promise me you're going to listen. You've got to tell me you're going to listen. And they said, yeah, we'll listen. So anyway, they get ready to land. And as they're coming in, he's talking them right in. And they actually get the plane landed. In fact, he said he landed the plane seven times and bounced on the runway as he was going in. And he said at the end, he got it stopped and the pilot woke up. And, and it, he said, the, the guy on the radio said, thank you for listening. I see them crash and burn all the time and kill themselves because they won't listen to the voice. So they don't realize I can see them even though they can't see me. Well, they got out and they went to a hotel. About 4 a.m. that morning, there was a knock on the door. And opened the door, and this man said something. He called him by name. He said, that's the voice. That's the voice that brought us home safely. What about you? You can see with your eyes, but are you spiritually blind? Even though the man who received his sight, he was still spiritually blind. And for the second time, he listened to the voice of Jesus, and he accepted salvation. What are all the voices around you saying? Are they trying to distract you from listening to Jesus? There are so many voices around us, 24-hour news, maybe friends who want us to follow their path, maybe even some well-meaning church members, temptations from the world, Facebook, Internet. What are you going to listen to? Spire heads. Who's speaking to you in this quiet time? Ignore all those other noises and, and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you. Brother Danny, Corey, and I will be in the foyer. If God is trying to get your attention, we'd be glad to sit down with you and look at Scripture, which is God's voice speaking to us today. Or maybe you just need to come to the altar and pray to ask God to clear out all the other distractions and help you concentrate on him and open your spiritual eyes. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this time, we just realize that we hear so many voices and we, we hear so many things going on in this world. And we just need to be so diligent and listen to your voice. So, Father, right now, as we come to this time, help us to listen to what you're saying to us. You, you talk to us every day through your scripture, through your Holy Spirit. So, Father, just help us to be totally in tune with you. Help us to tune out all those other voices, those other noises, all those thoughts in our head, and concentrate on you. Father, if we need to come and just rededicate our lives and say, look, 
My eyes have been fogged over, but I want to see clearly now. Or maybe I need to accept Christ and have my eyes opened. Whatever it is, Father, thank you that you've just done this for us. And you have allowed us to be here today for this time. Thank you so much. We love you and look forward to exactly what you want us to do in our lives as we go now. In Jesus' name, amen.